more like emptiness actually as in dropping all the crap that there is there's no timetable no nothing and then you just got time to just take it in i think it's just a uh, calm and clarity maybe Hey guys, welcome back to The Right Feeling. I hope that you had an amazing last few weeks. Summer is finally here, so I hope that you were able to take some time out on holiday to be with your family, your friends, yourself. And if you guys have had any awesome experiences where you felt the right feeling, I would love to hear it. Just DM me at the right feeling underscore on Instagram. In any case, today I want to talk about fear. And I want to ask you, what are you the most afraid of? I guess I was just thinking where we could start. And I thought about, there's always a saying, confront your fears, whether it's afraid of heights, afraid of spiders. People are always searching for a way to get over their fear. So what is fear? Fear is an emotion, right? I mean, it's a neurophysiological response that your body takes when it's trying to defend itself from something that it perceives to be dangerous or something that can threaten basically your being. And I guess that's much more of the evolutionary perspective of fear. Like in cases where you have a gut feeling that something's wrong, that there's something dangerous afoot. For example, if you're walking in the dark of the night and maybe some of you might not be afraid of this but I know for me and a few of my girlfriends it's like walking in the dark at night in the middle of a city in kind of a sketchy area does strike a bit of fear in your body it's almost this fight or flight emotion that's going on right but I actually think that fear serves as a very important not just evolutionary emotion but also an emotion that can help you figure out what it is that you value in your life. Just take, for example, if, like me, you're afraid of time, time ending or changes, maybe it's because I really value my time and I value my time with the people that I care about and my own time with myself. Or even with changes, it's because I value the moments that I have with people. And of course, there are other types of fears like the fear of the unknown, fear of settling, fear of death. Uh, and then there are fears that are more practical, is how I would call them, <laughs> like heights, spiders, lack of financial security. So today, I wanted to go back into this concept of fear, asking you, what are you the most afraid of? And... Yeah, tracing it back to what it is that you actually value. Because I think what strikes fear, if you go back down, follow the rabbit hole, you really will find what it is that you value through your fear. I think fear can either do one of two things. It can either inhibit you or it can also motivate you to follow what it is that you actually value. I actually went around um, Regent's Park in London asking random strangers what are their greatest fears and I had a lot of different responses but I split the responses into two different sets because there were a lot more crossovers in this first clump of fears. 
It's probably the fear of serious illness. Just everyone close to me getting sick. I think probably losing the people that you care about. I think that's the biggest fear. I'm afraid for my parents' health and just afraid of dying. These individuals have a fear of death, and it's a completely normal fear to have. I don't know when the last time it was that you had thought about death in a more serious way. I think oftentimes people like to push it off or push it away and just kind of focus on what's good. But I think there is value in genuinely being afraid and allowing your fear to settle in. And I guess the way that I perceive fear is I think of... Avatar The Last Airbender. I don't know if anybody has watched that show. It was very popular on Nickelodeon, you know, several years back. I think it's been a decade now, at least. Um, <laughs> okay, I can't believe I'm actually sharing this, going from death and fear to talking about The Last Avatar. But um, there's this moment when the Avatar, which is supposed to be the savior of the four realms of fire, earth, air, and water, basically he has this I guess, magical capability to be the master of Earth so he can move rocks, use air, create like air whirlwinds and whatnot, and be the master of water and create waves and uh, master of fire. And being the master of all four things makes you the avatar and you're supposed to be the protector of the realm. And in this show, there was this evil fire lord that was trying to take over all the realms like, he even destroyed all the airbenders, so this avatar was the last airbender. And then there's this moment in the final battle between the Fire Lord and the avatar where he was trying to take away the Fire Lord's... Um, I should have a spoiler warning. So this is a spoiler for those who haven't watched it, and if you don't care to watch it, just continue listening. Um, but yeah, essentially, the avatar was trying to take away the Fire Lord's... Um, bending that's what you call the the power over the elements earth water fire he was trying to take the bending away and to do that you have to kind of put your thumb on the forehead and then hold him there kind of allow the chakras okay this is sounding so esoteric the chakras of both the opponent and yourself kind of collide and there's this beautiful imagery where it's the fire lord and it's his vibrant red and then the avatar which is kind of this blue and when he's trying to remove the bending powers the fire lord's chakra is kind of consuming his entire body so his entire body is red and then the avatar's is blue and then you see the fire lord's chakra the red moving through the avatar's body so it starts with his arms where he's touching the fire lord and it becomes scalding red and then it's almost about to consume his entire body the avatar's entire body there's just an eye of blue the remaining bit of him that's left and then all of a sudden boom you know the orchestra plays and he's able to overcome the fire lord's chakra and remove his bending capabilities so this is what I kind of envision fear to be like. It's consuming sometimes, like this fire lord overtaking most of your body. When people start thinking of death and 
thinking of familial death, I know it can be really, really hard. For me, the concept of death first entered into my mind, I think, what was it, seventh or eighth grade? So I was 11, 12, or was I 13 or 14? It's been a while. Um, but yeah, I was definitely in my teen years. And the concept of death had never struck me before growing up. You feel fearless. You know, you go around, you hop around on things, you climb random things, and you just don't care because you're not thinking of the possibility of death, of risk, of mortality. Um, but yeah, the first time I thought about it, I got really, really upset. I was just thinking of, you know, no longer being with my my family. Um, just the idea that a person that I love will no longer be accessible to me, will no longer, like, I can't just call them up and have a chat with them or, like, give them a hug. I won't be able to just spend time with them in a physical way anymore. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I didn't think I'd get emotional about this. It's been a really long time, and I've definitely grappled with the concept of family and friend and just loved one's deaths. And I understand that with life comes death, and it's a reality that we have to accept no matter how much um, humans are trying to be immortal. When I was thinking about death and no longer being around my loved ones, at that point in time, I really couldn't, I couldn't even leave my room because I was so sad. Well, also that and I had food poisoning, so I really couldn't leave my room, but I just... It was so consuming and it made me afraid to live. And I think oftentimes fear would be like the fire lord. Oh my God, I'm making this comparison. But fear would be like the fire lord and it can really consume your entire body if you allow it to. But in that, in that fear, there is a value for life. It shows me that I care about life. I care about my friends and my family and it also made me value the time that I do have with my loved ones and making the most of being alive. I think fear can help anchor us in how we decide to go about our lives and where we put our time, where we put our energy. And I think the way that it should have a healthy role in your life is if you apply kind of the same thought process to your other fears tracing those back down can can pick apart our fears and figure out what it is that it's revealing to us in terms of what it is that we care about and what it is that we want. I think if you just trace back down, then you'll find what it is that you value and then allow that to be the directive, the guide. Take in your fear and it's okay to feel it, but still move forward. And of course, there are other fears that we haven't even touched on these are just a few more fears that strangers in Regent's Park had shared. Oh God, the greatest fear. Um, not being able to do things because I'm too scared. Not to raise my children well, because they have a long way ahead of them. And I've had a long way ahead of me. <laughs> not being able to go for your dreams or doing what you want to be able to do like living a life that if you wish you had something else and that's probably a bit of a fear you know what it's definitely got to be like 
not doing well because I always have I have quite low self-esteem so it's kind of hard for me to think quite positively um so i think it's like just being a failure because you don't know what's gonna happen in the future like never know what's gonna happen so i think i might fail in something because i just want to do great you know what i, mean? I want to have a good job money i think but yeah i just have a fear of heights <laughs> i think the unknown not knowing what's gonna come next in my life or not knowing if i'm going down the right path or if this is really right for me I think the unknown, the unknown of the future, the unknown of the relationships that you have or how you, where your life is heading, I think that's the scariest, scariest part. Hmm. I'm trying to think of something a bit deeper than snake in a bath. Or... <laughs> <laughs> Spiders. <laughs> yeah. um, I think massive economic loss is one of them. I think, you know, losing your job. Um, a property going down all the way in value so you know you've put all your money into something and not get anything out of it I think that's got a lot of connotations of negativity around it and if you kind of think long term about it it's going to have a big negative impact so that's a, an underlying fear I suppose probably yes yeah, not making the most of it and also going nuts <laughs> thinking about not making the most of it <laughs> and going in a loop and while I'm going in the loop I'm not making the most of it <laughs> while I'm doing it I'm sure there are so many more fears that people have. Everyone is different, so everyone is going to have their different life experiences and their different fears associated with that. Um, I can't speak for any other fear except for the ones that I personally have. So one of my greatest fears that actually inhibits me is the fear of settling for something less than what I want to make out of my life. It's not necessarily a fear that consumes me, but it is a fear that subtly dictates how I live my life. It's kind of ambiguous what I mean by settling, right? If I could describe it, it really means that I don't want to settle for anything less than pushing myself for the best. And by best, I mean the most meaningful and I want to make my life into something that I give meaning back into the world. I give value. Right? And that, that's what I want with not settling. And I'm afraid oftentimes that maybe the time I'm spending now or what I'm doing, I'm just wasting my time and my energy, even though I know that this is where I need to be right now to do what it is that I want to do and lead me to the path of where I want to go. But it scares me sometimes thinking that maybe I might not be able to make my life into something meaningful. And it scares me because sometimes I have other fears that inhibit me from pushing myself forward past the fear of settling, pushing me into motion towards things I feel would give the most meaning in life, like the fear of lack of financial security, the fear of the unknown. And I think this is something that a lot of people struggle with, being afraid of going out there and doing something because you just don't know what's going to happen. So it's a whole mess of fears that I'm feeling in addition to the fear of settling. But when is fear ever in isolation? But I will say in the last few years, the fear of settling has been quite high on my fear feeling list. And if I'm honest, this fear of settling really does consume me sometimes. Like it gives me a strange sense of restlessness. Like I have to keep moving forward. I have to keep pushing myself and... With this fear of settling, it's 
such a big focus on the future that I'm not really in the present. I'm not recognizing that what I'm doing in the present does have meaning. <laughs> you know, like I'm just overthinking it most of the time, if I'm honest. So yeah, this is something that I'm still grappling with and trying not to get so bogged down by this over analytical fear and just enjoy what is right now in this moment and pursue that feeling of what it is that I find valuable and meaningful um, rather than this feeling of fear. Because at that point, it's no longer just a guide, but it starts to control my life and the way I look at life. And when you have an outlook of fear, ooh, it's, um, it's not very motivating, is it? <laughs> um, I don't know if the same applies to you. Obviously, you probably won't have the same fear, but if you're also grappling with your own fear, don't worry, you're definitely not alone. <laughs> On a more, I guess, motivating end, I'd like to share a story of a time when I did face fear and I didn't allow it to consume me. Hooray. <laughs> the backstory is that I traveled to Morocco with my friend Jess. She was the guest on the first episode of this podcast. And it was an incredible experience just encountering different people, a whole different culture. And we we heard a lot in the news, in the media, um, general forums about how dangerous Morocco could be for women. But we generally didn't experience any of that. But we did actually have a more serious situation at the very end of our trip, the morning that we were supposed to leave. So basically what happened was we had a flight around 6 a.m. But we had to be at the airport probably at 5 because that's when boarding was supposed to happen, which means we're supposed to get there at least by 4 or 4.30. And something we didn't know, so a tip for solo travelers or people who are traveling to Morocco, is that there are no taxis running that early in the morning because taxis only start running around 5 or 6. So... We didn't realize this until the day before, which was a fault on our end, but we ended up talking to our Airbnb uh, manager. We asked him, hey, can you actually book us a taxi for the morning? And he said, okay, well, the taxi will be out there waiting for you at 3 a.m. So we get up at 2.50. We already have everything packed. We just put on a jacket and brush our teeth and we head off. And we walk through the Medina because this is Fez. It's the old city in Morocco. And the Medina is like just a bunch of mazes and whatnot. And we're staying in the Airbnb in the center. We walk out and there's this kind of drunk guy with two ladies. And they were just kind of, you know, hey, blah, blah, but they weren't really dangerous. And it was a Sunday morning and we were just walking. And then we see donkeys and donkey drivers passing us. So we we're just thinking, actually, it shouldn't be that bad. But basically, most of the street was pretty bare and it was still very dark. We reached the gate of the Medina, which is where the taxi was supposed to be. But when we get to the gate, there was no taxi. Our taxi was not there. And I didn't have any working data. Jessica did, but if we called somebody, it'd be really, really expensive. So yeah, we were just like, okay, well, let's just wait five or 10 minutes and maybe the taxi will show up. So a few minutes pass and then two little red taxis drive up. 
Basically, there are several different taxi types in Fez. One of them is the little red taxi. And the little red taxi isn't allowed to leave the city center. The first little red taxi driver asked us if we needed to get somewhere. And I said, we actually are going to the airport. He's like, okay, he just drives off. And yeah, so the second taxi driver just kind of stayed there and was waiting. And then from from the distance, I just see two figures walking towards Jessica and I. And at this point, it was just us two and the taxi driver. There's no one else there. And these two guys are kind of young, I would say, in their 20s. They looked at us up and down and walked by. And one of them, who looked a little bit like Robert De Niro, and I guess for the sake of this story, let's just call him Robert. Um, but yeah, he threw up his arms and he turned around and he was like, no taxi, kind of to, you know, make fun of us. And then he and his friend laugh and then they keep walking. And I keep an eye on them um, because, I don't know, I just get a really weird vibe from them, like a gut reaction telling me, Jane, be careful. Um, and so Jessica and I are checking the time and we ended up just trying to call our manager. He was like, oh, so sorry. Let me just call him and see where he is. And then when we hung up from the corner of my eye, I see Robert and his friend standing in the shadows of the gate watching us. It felt really weird. And I was actually quite scared because I don't know when the taxi driver is coming and there's only this one taxi driver here. And so I was like, Jess, hey, let's go over to this taxi driver. He rolled down the window and was like, gah. And so in Morocco, they actually speak French, right? And in French, gah means train station. And I was like, no, 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 I don't need to go to the train station. I need to go to the airport. And he just kept saying gah. I was afraid he was going to drive off and leave us alone with these two guys. And then that is definitely not good in this situation. And so I was just trying to make conversation to kind of make him stay with us until our taxi got there. And then simultaneously, we got a call from our manager and he's like, yeah, the taxi driver's on his way. He'll be here in 10 to 15 minutes. And then so this taxi driver kept saying, gah, gah, pointing behind him the way of the train station. But then from the corner of my eye, I saw that these two men started to move towards us. And then this taxi driver just kept repeating gah, gah. And I was kind of getting fed up. But then I followed his finger to where he was pointing and I realized that he wasn't speaking French. He was speaking English. He was saying guard because there were two security guards where he was pointing. This guy already knew that these two men were trouble and he's been trying to tell us, go to the guards, go to the guards. But you need to understand that this is not really a security. Like it's two older gentlemen. One had a cane. Basically, their security spot was not a box. It was like a line of motorbikes behind us, two plastic stools, and one of those sun umbrellas. And we're like, okay, but this is better than nothing. And then they welcomed us into their space. At that moment, those two young gentlemen were walking towards the security guards and us. They started shouting over the security guards, Hey, girls, where do you need to go? There's no taxi, so all you have to do is follow us through the Medina and we'll take you to where you need to go. In that moment, I was actually freezing up and Jessica was also quite scared. It was almost like they were the predator and I did not want to be the prey. So I wanted to come off as if I was not 
easy to bully around. There was this feeling of if I looked afraid, they would win and they would find it somehow almost like I was easier prey. So I sat up straight with my backpack on and I just stared them down like I was in this defense mode. And then all of a sudden things got more aggressive because the security guard started to say, get back. And he's like, what? These girls are my friends. I don't know what you're talking about. And then he takes out a camera and he starts to take a picture of me and Jessica. And they were getting aggressive and he was getting up into the security guard's face. At that moment, I was just thinking, what the heck am I going to do if anything happens? But thankfully, our taxi pulled up at that moment. We jumped in the car and then obviously we had to make sure that he was who he said he was. Um, And yeah, and I could see that the security guards were kind of holding back these guys. So yeah, I mean, this was, this was, it was a moment when I really did feel fear And in that moment, I had to allow my fear not to consume me like the Fire Lord and the Avatar, but I had to really stand my ground, allow my fear to still anchor me and say, but I'm not going to let fear completely control my body and my actions other than motivating me to react in a way that is in accordance with what I value, which is life, which is to live, which is to be free. So even though I was afraid, I wanted those values. I wanted to live. I wanted my freedom and I didn't want anything to compromise that. So I had to sit where I was and stare them down. I guess the question for you is whether or not you allow your fear to take hold of you or will you be able to push past that initial response to that fear? When you're thinking about your own fears, ask yourself, what are you afraid of? Why are you afraid of it? And what are you going to do about it? In any case, I hope that you have an amazing week and not get over your fear, but meet your fear where it is and making decisions in your life, knowing your fear, acknowledging your fear, but not letting your fear consume you. On the next episode, I'll be having a chat with my friend Marin on resilience. So be on the lookout for that. If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. Don't forget to rate it on your podcast channel if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or any other podcast channel. And if you like this episode, don't forget to share it with your friends or your family if you feel that this might be useful for them. So yeah. I can't wait to feel the feels with you in the next episode.